Okay, greetings. This is Ronald Dorsey from the One Bottle at a Time podcast, and we're back. Uh, it's been quite a while. Things have been kind of crazy and topsy-turvy in the world. And today we're in uh, South Beach, Miami, Florida, uh, the South Point neighborhood to be exact. And we're here with Mr. Greg C.K. of the Portofino Wine Bank. How are you doing today, Mr. C.K.? Doing well, how are you? All right, good, good, good to, good to hear you. That wonderful bass voice you have, <laughs> I have to grab you and, and have you uh, performing some music for me. Wonderful. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> The lost art. Okay, good. So, I uh, just wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, your selection that you have here. Uh, a little bit about, uh, you know, your history in the wine business. Okay. And a few other things as we go along. So, let's kind of start out, uh, you know, with your, you know, your history uh, as a uh, retailer or, or overall in the wine business. Okay, well, I mean, I was kind of born into this. I really didn't have much of a choice. Uh, Growing up, my father was an executive, was the vice president of the Seagram's Corporation, working directly for Edgar Broffin Jr. Um, grew up my whole life around wine and spirits, um, seeing everything around my house from Boodle's British Gin to Seagram 7 to you name it, towels around the house, everything. <laughs> Didn't know what it meant at the time, but just got familiar with it. Um, after college, I uh, you know, worked a little bit uh, not in the industry, although my brother got into it, I was, I was kind of not going to get into it, and then it's one of those things like just pulls you right in. So after uh, a five-year stint at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, where I worked <laughs> my way up through you know management, um, I was very unhappy there and was uh, offered a, a position to uh, a sales position at uh, Premier Beverage, which is now Breakthrough Beverage, okay. and worked there for. Uh, almost five years on South Beach and Coconut Grove and the Gables doing uh, wine spirits on-premise sales, selling at bars, restaurants, okay. clubs, things like that. And from there, you know, just the way this industry is kind of set up, you just have to uh, jump around. And, you know, whenever any kind of decent opportunity will, would present itself, you go for it. Right. So from there, I was, after that, I was uh, working for a smaller distributor, um, so an opportunity because they had they had just launched the prisoner it was a very small distributor down here and prisoner was was hot and all the uh, orange swift all dave finney's wines were super popular and i was the guy on the street you know 15 20 years ago 15 years ago mm. selling prisoner getting through the door and really learned a lot about you know the uh the smaller and cult wines that this particular, it was Angel Share Distributor, that they had some really neat stuff and it kind of opened my eyes to, there's a whole other world out there other than Kendall Jackson, La Crema, and you know, all the big names. So it was kind of just piqued my interest in the business. From there, I was uh, actually worked in the duty-free market for, I worked for Carasam for a couple of years. Carasam was a big uh, ship chandler where does, I used to help write the wine list for Carnival, Royal Caribbean, Celebrity. Nice. All of that, um, that job was fun. <laughs> I did not like being in an office. I didn't want to be stuck in an office. So an opportunity presented itself after a couple of years there. Worked for Remy, for uh, it was the the account manager for key account manager for Quantro and Mount Gay Rum. Mm. Did that for a couple of years, and then I was uh, bouncing around when other opportunities came and then ended up actually uh, at Total Wine where I was never, I never thought I'd work in the retail side 
and I kind of just got, I was in between jobs and I was said you know there, there's a total line opening in my neighborhood and I said let's uh, you know go over there and help them out a few days a week while I'm deciding what I want to do where I want to go next because mm-hmm. wasn't really you know sure what direction to take it and absolutely loved retail didn't know why mm-hmm. never thought about it before but I loved the retail side of stuff and I had collected so much knowledge about brands that it was within five, six months, I was a part-time, from a part-time to I was the, the wine manager for one of the biggest stores they have in the corporation. Mm. So did that and actually got injured working there where I had to have uh, a major surgery on my neck. I was moving boxes and, and ruptured a, a couple of the vertebrae in my neck, mm. had to have a major surgery, was out, couldn't really go back to that, um, and then just happened to stumble upon um, the Portofino Wine Bank because I had known the owner Rick Silverberg for probably 10 years before mm. and uh, he was looking for some help and the same kind of thing I said well let me go see if I can help Rick out and we're coming up on nine years later Wow! so I've been here now nine years and I'm the GM of the store and the other store we opened five years ago the Brickle Wine Bank which I was fortunate enough to be with Rick when we, we scouted the location we found it we built it up from nothing mm. and that store is doing amazingly well uh, this store is still thriving, getting going into our 19th uh, year in a, a really unique neighborhood. Mm. Some very high net worth individuals and great people, great customers, but they love their good wine and they don't care what it costs. Right, right. So it's, you don't have to hem and haw over the, you know, right, a, a coupon right. or something like that. Right. So it's a good thing for us. It's, it's a nice situation. Um, Sometimes, you know, it's difficult because they want what they want, and sometimes some of these things are very hard to get. Okay. So, but it's a challenge that I've, uh, I really love, and I feel like I do a good job at it, so I'm still here. Okay, cool. So now, you know, from, from working in retail, and as you mentioned, you know, from a young person growing up in a business in your family, uh, as far as your palate goes, you know, when did you begin to, I guess, uh, partake of uh, wine in particular, and also, uh, along with that, uh, which wine would you say was that first wine that kind of knocked your socks off? Well, for you, from from a uh, tasting perspective. From a tasting perspective, let's. So I mean, when when I was a teenager, up and through college and all that, um, wine was never on my radar, and I don't think that was very uncommon. I don't think eighteen-year-olds, which of course you're not supposed to be drinking when you're eighteen, but let's just say hypothetically you are. Right. Um, it was never really about wine. It was about spirits, you know. And right. and uh, again, I was I was fortunate enough for my father after he left Seagram's, he went on to uh, be the the vice president of the Carolan Importers at the time. Carolan was the company that owned Absolute Bombay and Grand Marnier. He worked directly for uh, Michelle Rue, the gentleman who bought Absolute Vodka to the to the to the states. Mm. And it was a constant flow of uh, you know my dad bringing home stuff. Oh, you got to try this. You got to try this. So I kind of got an interest. First, in, in the spirit side, vodka, things like that, like normal 20, 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds do. And it wasn't really, I really didn't, like, open my eyes to wine until I was kind of at Premier. And at Premier Beverage, you know, I was we did an intensive wine certification class where, you know, it was every Friday for, mm. God, I don't know, six months, you're there for four or five hours going through everything. Wow. And they're jamming so much information that... I, I think they were just like, well, if they get 20% of this, that's great. Mm. Because I don't think they expected anybody to get all that information that quickly. Right. But, you know, some of it started to stick. Um, I really started to uh, f- 
find an interest in, in Pinot Noirs, okay. particularly. Um, Burgundy, like, um, I would say one of the first bottles or one of the first areas that blew, blew my mind was, you know, a, a, a Red Marcinet mm. or a, a Corton or something, you know, that level, which led me back to, you know, uh, the Oregon wines, the whole Oregon situation, and, and, and it just... Willamette, Willamette Valley, uh, Valley area? Yes, anything Willamette, just mm. the... Just the similarities between the two wines to me blew me away. How mm. you know this on the other side of the world? How these wines tasted very similar to me, mm. as opposed to you know Russian River and the Sonoma, even the Napa Pinots, which there's not as many being made. But anything from the Russian River, then all of a sudden that was it. Mm. I, then I had to, like, and I to this day I still believe that the Russian River puts out some of the best Pinot Noir in the world. I'm a big fan of your. The Bell Glass. Bell Glasses are nice. Um, everything from, you know, the Costa Browns, the Kistlers. Um, not, I mean, not a, a, a particular Pinot Noir that I absolutely love right now is the, the Mount Eden Reserve, which is not, um, it's not, it's not a Russian River, but it's a wine that's like, to me, it tastes as good as anything I've tried from around the world. It's just an elegant, beautiful wine. That just blows me away every time, and I suggest it to a lot of my customers, and they all come back like, "This mm. one is amazing. This one is mm. great." So, I mean, I don't know if there's one particular bottle I could I could I could pinpoint on. Mm. I mean, at the time at Premier, you know, one of our big brands was La Crema, and me and my wife really got into La Crema because I could get it for basically nothing, mm. just pull samples of it, or you know. <laughs> right. But that kind of opened my eyes to Pinot Noirs, and then I just started exploring the whole different, all the avenues of it, and the differences mm. of all the, you know, the nuances on the areas, and, and, and how different they are, and how they all have, you know, these exceptional things about them. Right, right. Wonderful. So. I, um, you know, you're, you're, you're probably the third or fourth person that, that I spoke to that mentioned that they really see the great similarities between Burgundy and the Willamette Valley. You know, yeah, well, if you draw that line across the globe, right, it's the same thing. They're right on line, so right, it makes right, sense. Right, right. So, right, right. You know, it's 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 nice. And then they're putting out some great, and there's more stuff coming too. Right, right. right. And they're putting out great stuff out there. So, and it's it's a lot cheaper. Mm. It's gonna be a, save a lot of money. Find right. a great bottle of wine for a lot less right now. Um, if you're gonna get it, you know, something domestic. Right. Because right. with tariffs and with with shipping situations and all that, the prices. Are only going to hit me, and that means they're going to hit the customer. Right, so, right. So you come back to, like you said, come back to more local, yeah. more domestic, which is going to be a little nicer on your pocket. Uh, a, a wine that doesn't have to take a boat ride is going to be a hell of a lot right. cheaper than a wine that does right now. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Uh, speaking of domestic, just wanted to uh, get your get your uh, you know your your view on, I guess, the vintages coming out of California, particularly in the last ten years. Mm -hmm. With uh, the issues they've been having with, you know, with fire Fires, and yeah. smoke, you know, and I understand that sometimes the smoke itself can creep its way into, into uh, the actual, you know, taste of the wine, and and if that's something that you've seen at all in, in some of those vintages in the last ten years, from I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that there's there's one that I that I've seen um, that was that outstanding um, where the smoke was really coming through. I, I mean, I understand now that. A lot of a lot of winemakers have uh, dropped the fruit and skipped the vintage coming up that with the fires affected that they're not even going to bother 
doing anything with it. Um, I really, uh, I'm not going to say that there's one I could, but I could, I mean, yeah, if, if we pointed it out and you said this was one, yeah, maybe yeah. I could pick up on it, but nothing that was so, you know, overwhelming of, of, a, of a flavor or, or something on the, in the nose and the palate where it was like, wow, this was involved. Yeah. And this, you know, definitely was affected by a smoke or fire. But I can't say that there's one right now. And like I said, the good producers, um, and the and and the average producers are, are they're not going to be putting out a wine that's going to be subpar or be you know smoked out. Right. So. Okay. And your um. You know, I noticed uh, from looking at your selection. Obviously, you you know pretty much cover the globe from what I can see. Yeah. And uh, I wanted you to talk a little bit about uh, if you have any particular areas of the world that you would have lean more toward than others or you just kind of try and do things and, and make them even out in this particular store I noticed obviously with the with the space that you have you do a very good job of, of having great variety yeah so you can talk a little bit about that we I mean as as a retailer it's more important for me to have the wines that my people want so it's just kind of having your ear to the ground on, on what they're looking for I mean, this particular location is completely different than the Brickell location. Um, we have a lot of high net worth individuals that um, want certain things. We do extremely, extremely high volume on high-end burgundy whites, um, even burgundy reds, um, all Bordeaux's, first gross, second gross, a mm. um, lot of champagne, high-end champagne. No grower champagne seems to sell here. Mm. It's great as they are, they just my clientele, you know, they will, maybe it has to do something with the, with the name, you know, right. maybe it, it, they feel better if, you know, if it's not a Bruno, Bruno Payard, but it's, it says Krug or says Salon, mm. you know, even though this wine may be, may be better than that wine, you know, it's all, it's all subjective, but it's, it seems to be, they, they like, they like big name brands. So I'm constantly, you know, chasing those things. I have, you know, customers coming in all the time looking for Domain Romani Conti's. Mm. Can you get me the Romani? And I'm constantly <laughs> fighting. I, I have brokers we work with sometimes. Right, right, Occasionally right. the distributor will drop us a few bottles. Right, right. But, you know, it's, <laughs> when you're selling wines that are $25,000 a bottle, it's right, not like I need, I don't need a, I don't need a dozen of them. Right, right. You know, maybe just <laughs> one a year. Right, so right, right. on that side, and then also a lot of high-end Napa cabs. I mean, right, right. the average Napa cab that sells here during the season, and our season runs, right about the end of November until, say, the end of April. Because all these, these buildings around here, these are all their third, fourth home. Right. So they're not here in the summer. Right. Our business drops off 70% in the summer, like it does every year. Like we've been here, like I said, almost 19 years. Mm. Um, we, we plan for that, we budget for it. And when they all come back, like now, it just starts, I mean, we just start cranking. Mm. So it's, you know, high-end cabs, high-end Chardonnays are flying. Um, Again, the high-end Pinots will go. Uh, it, right now, it's a beautiful time to be at the store for me because it's a lot of high-end sales. And right. I love to put up big numbers. Right, right. My yeah. boss likes to see the big numbers. He likes because you know when you're we carry an inventory now of close to a million dollars. Um, that goes down to about two hundred fifty thousand come May. Wow. So yeah, when when I start buying all this expensive stuff. He starts getting nervous, but then he starts seeing it flow again, and then he's happy again. So, mm -hmm. it's it's a constant flow. Right. So as as a as the buyer, I know you know I, I know you mentioned you have uh, 
quite a different clientele at your Brickle location. Right. So the Brickle location, which we've been at five years, um, it's it's more it's a younger crowd, right. and they live there year round. That's their home. Right. They okay. live and work in the area, right. so they're there. So year round, it's a very consistent, um, you know, sales cycle. Okay. So I mean, it's very it's very it's been growing very very nicely. Um, word is getting out about it. Uh, we got a beautiful store over there. Um, unfortunately, we if it, it would be more beautiful had it not gotten hit when when we right after we opened, Hurricane Irma came through. Right, right. And our and our store, if you go to it, you when you walk in, it's you take two steps down. It's in the right. bottom of the Plaza building, mm. and we had four feet of water come in through the back door. So yeah, we lost all, we lost our beautiful floors we just put in, and everything that was four feet or below is garbage. Mm. So it was a it was a it was a upsetting, but you know we were able to get through it, and I I estimate within two years that annually that store will surpass Portofino just because it has a consistency, twelve year twelve twelve month consistency that mm. that we don't have here. Okay. So. And uh, for for your location here, and also Brickell, uh, do you do any any weekly tastings or? or well, we 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 don't. Right now, we don't. I mean, COVID kind of ruined all that. Right, right. Before COVID, I was doing um, I was doing wine tastings here, where I set up outside in the uh, in the portico outside. We set up real nice with we had you know tables, tablecloths, candles that we put up the curtains, mm. and it was beautiful. It looked great, and we and we did that for a couple of years, and it was you know it's. $25 a ticket. I only had, we only had 14, 15 seats, but the, the residents loved it. And they, and they really would sell out every time. Uh, I would get, you know, the, the distributors would, they would give me the wine for that one because they wanted to kind of promote their wines. And I would tell them kind of what, what we're planning to do. Today we're, you know, we're going to go, you know, today we're doing California, here we're doing Napa, to, you know, we're doing Argentina. And they would all, you know, kind of, they want to get their stuff in there. So that was really nice. Unfortunately, then COVID came. Actually, before COVID came, we opened the other store, right. and then it was just it was just too much, too many moving parts between myself and, and my boss Rick to to for us to pull it off because it just it was just too hectic. And then COVID rolled in, and then it was you know you can't have people gather anywhere. Right, right. So right. it's something we would like to do in the future, and I plan to. I mean, luckily we are actually, this Saturday we're doing our, our, our champagne tasting. All right. What we do, we've, again, that used to be an anniversary party we would do right at the beginning of December. Um, this year we're doing a little bit later, but it's the first time we're gonna do something like this in a few years. And that is, you know, the people from Southern Wine Spirits are, you know, it's gonna be different kinds of Krug, all the Ruinarts, Dom, all high-end champagne, right. and it's uh, it's for a couple hours outside, and it's we you know we let our we let our, our, our customers know, and they, the word of mouth spreads, and it's it's a nice evening, mm -hmm. you know they get to drink, you know it's, it doesn't suck to drink Dom and Ruinart and, right, right. and Krug for free for a right, couple right. hours, and we you know it's going to be catered and everything, so we're doing something like that, and then of course we have we'll have during the season we'll have tastings, you know mostly spirits at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at the, at the door, you know, you know, somebody's launching a new product, or we'll have that there. Mm -hmm. But it's it, it, it's kind of hit or miss. Okay. So, and uh, along with that, here uh, in in uh, Miami Beach, are you ever uh, involved in any any of the local uh, food and wine festivals? Well, not really, because um, they don't really involve the retailers. That, right. that for South Beach Food and Wine Festival is a, is a Southern Wine and Spirits event. And it's it's the brands, right. their suppliers. They come out and do it in the tent, and we always attend. We always attend for trade for trade day. I'll bring a couple of the guys. 
we go down there and check it out. And it's it's fun, but it really doesn't involve any of the retailers um, at that level for the, for that for that show. It's more about you know, it's about Southern Wine Spirits and their and their partners, their suppliers, and they they push it. it has nothing to do with the retailers on that side. Okay, wonderful. Okay, so um, for for our listeners, if you can please uh, give them uh, your locations once again uh, with the address. The addresses, so whenever they're uh, in, in uh, okay. you know, in Miami, Brickwary, or in also in South Beach, they can come to Portofino Wine Bank and, and get uh, some of your great selection. All right, so the, the Brickle Wine Bank is located at 950 Brickle Bay Drive. It's at the bottom of the Plaza building, right across from the Four Ambassadors. Um, that store is open seven days a week. Um, I can't remember the exact hours, but I know... Uh, Sunday is the only day that we don't have our normal hours. I think they're open from 12 to 7. But every other day, they're open from 10 a.m. until 11 or 12 p.m., depending on the time of year. Uh, Portofino Wine Bank is, um, we are, what's our address here? Uh, 500 South Point Drive, Suite 110. We're at the bottom of the Portofino building, right on South Point Drive, right across from the famous Joe's Stone Crab. And again, we're open every day of the year. Abbreviated hours on Thanksgiving and Christmas, but we're open um, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. and then Friday and Saturday 10 a.m. to 11 p.m. Going into the holidays coming up, probably till midnight. We're allowed to stay up until midnight, so we'll be <laughs> open till midnight, especially you know with the next week's coming up. All right, cool. All right, All right so I want to really thank you for your time and, and for your wonderful uh, uh, wealth of knowledge. No, I appreciate it. Sharing some of your, your experience, and uh, whenever I'm in South Beach, I'm all, I'm always coming down here to to grab some things. And uh, I hope to see you soon. Yeah, take care. All right, thank you. So this has been Ronald Dorsey for One Bottle at a Time. And today we spoke with Mr. Greg C.K. of the Portofino Wine Bank in South Beach, Florida, where they have uh, their uh, main initial location. And also they have a location in uh, Brickell. Uh, I believe that's in the city. Downtown, uh, Downtown yeah. Downtown Miami. So, uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Save me for a night, oh.